This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Packs What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Maggie Loney. And I'm sure you're wondering... Harry, what the heck are you doing, doing the intro today? And that's because we decided to keep you on your toes and switch it up. So I will be hosting us today as we get to discuss all of the potential offensive draft prospects. Um, the Packers likely are going to need to load up a little bit on weapons for Jordan Love, beef up the offensive line, who knows who they're going to take in the later rounds as depth pieces. So there's a lot to go, go over today. But first, Maggie, how you doing? I'm doing good. Baby had his four-month shots today, so I'm drinking a beer called Little Soldier. But uh, I'm ready, ready to talk some draft and not think about sad babies. Love it. So... We don't like sad babies here. That's, that's not our <laughs> We brand. are anti-sad babies on the Paxis yeah. Reset podcast. Um, so we'll go through the position groups here. We're going to start with the, the first position group is one that the Packers, by all accounts, do not need. They're actually currently kind of offloading somebody in this group. and But there are ones to surprise. They are ones to always have depth. So, Maggie, what are your thoughts on the quarterback position in terms of the draft for the Packers this year? I mean, I think the Packers have, you know, they have a pattern where they did it with Aaron Rodgers. They drafted two quarterbacks the year he took over as starters. So it really wouldn't be that surprising to me if we see the Packers take a quarterback even like as high as the second or third round. Like, I don't love that value. Obviously, you want them to take weapons and support pieces for Jordan Love. But I think we've talked about it on this show. We've talked about it like with Andy Herman on Pack-A-Day about the idea that the Packers probably aren't going to go out in win-now mode in 2023. So this draft, I think, is largely about finding pieces that will help you be successful for at least, you know, a couple years, keep your window open. So if this is a quote-unquote like rebuild kind of year, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Packers took a quarterback, a name that... I see a lot of people floating around that I think is really funny, but really fitting is Stetson Bennett. I, we talked about it with Nagler a little bit um, as like a day three guy, but he's already older than Jordan Love. <laughs> he has played in big games, obviously won national championships. So you're looking for, you know, even if he is a rookie in the NFL, somebody who's got like big game experience and isn't afraid of big moments. So I think, you know, 
Ben, Bennett being an example of that, but there's plenty of others in this draft class. If, as long as whoever is drafted at quarterback knows they're coming in to be the backup and help Jordan Love succeed, that's the goal here, right? You're not bringing in competition for Jordan. You're bringing in support. So I think whoever it is would kind of have to understand that this isn't really a starting role for them. And there aren't maybe that many quarterbacks in the draft that would be fully on board with knowing that they're taking a backseat right out of the gate. Yeah, it's a really interesting thought process because you're right. Like they, even with Aaron Rodgers, they took plenty of quote unquote backup quarterbacks. And now it's likely that they will do the same because you never want to be stuck in like a kind of 49er situation from this past season. That being said, obviously, I would hope that the Packers are not using any, you know, premium draft capital to take a backup quarterback. There's, like you said, plenty of guys kind of maybe in later rounds who this would work out. I would be curious to see if they end up going the veteran QB route instead. I think that's like, in my mind, a little bit more likely. But at the same time, you always want to be feeding, you know, any of your rooms with young talent. Yeah, and I mean, I think it depends to kind of what the Packers feel about Danny Etling too, because, you know, obviously they're saying the right things and saying, we absolutely think he can start an NFL game because you're not going to burn bridges with players, but you know, he could go into the off season as QB two or QB three, he could be on the roster. So knowing what the Packers cap situation looks like, it, it feels less and less likely that they're going to get a quarterback in free agency, unless they're on some type of like that minimum. Um, and I don't really think the jets are sending over anybody in a trade at this point. So it feels like the draft is the best option, but I agree with you that I hope if it does happen, it's like mid round of day three, you really don't want to see them take like Hendon Hooker in the second round. Like, I think that would just be it. The talent might be there. The upside might be there, but it's kind of an abundance of riches and you want to see them go do something else with those picks and not devote resources unless they have us all fooled April fool's day. And they don't think Jordan loves actually the guy and they take like <laughs> Anthony Richardson at 15. He won't be there, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I think that would be crazy. Um, I agree. And I agree with your earlier statement that like, you know, this is the kind of year to use as like a load up year, try to get as much talent as you can. Obviously they're picking higher this draft than they normally do. And 15 is a very nice place to be taking somebody, maybe one of the guys that we're about to talk about <laughs> um, in that, you know, they do need offensive weapons, right? Like they, we've talked about this on the show, but they have some really nice kind of core young guys now, but that room, both all those rooms still need to be filled out. Um, whether that's with a wide receiver, with a tight end or with a running back um, in this draft class. So with that being said, the most exciting group, I think every draft to talk about, but um, especially I think this year, knowing that this is still a position of need for the Packers is looking at these wide receivers and my thought in the little bit that I've done um, on this group is that it's actually the kind of ideal group of receivers for the Packers because last season they took their presumably number one, right? Christian Watson should be their ex. And I think they took, you know, they traded up because they see his upside. We all saw his upside, <laughs> right? In that, like, yeah, we, we, we saw it all this past season in his rookie year. Um, they have a really great complimentary piece so far with Romeo Dobbs. And what you're looking for now, I think, is a role player. And that's what I think this draft class has, is a lot of really good, athletic, freaky role players. The Packers don't have a slot guy. 
They could always use more speed. They could always use a field stretcher, right? So this is, I think, the draft where I don't know if they change up their norm and take somebody in the first round or if you're looking for you know more of their day two usual. But there are plenty of guys to fill in the kind of missing pieces when it comes to the roles that they need in this offense. Yeah, and I mean, I think the hard part is – with all of this, I thought this was really interesting. I want, I was trying to find this data, and of course, Paul Brettel had it because Paul is wonderful and has knowledge of everything. But it hasn't historically been the case with like Ted Thompson and other GMs. But Brian Gutekunst really values his top 30 visits. And a lot of the times when he brings in players, they end up being Packers, whether it's through undrafted free agency or, you know, these are players that he covets. And they're not always on the board, obviously, at that time. Um, but I think the Packers stay really true to their specific desired metrics. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that we're sick of talking about and sick of hearing because there's so many players that you wish that they would kind of go outside the mold for. And I think that's the downside of this wide receiver class is that so many talented players who I'm sure we'll get to in just a couple seconds don't fit those specific thresholds, those parameters. You know, they're a little bit lighter. The Packers typically like wide receivers who are like over 190. Um, and Randall Cobb was a good example of that. Like they want them to be at least 5'11". Randall Cobb just kind of, you know, shy of that at 5'10". But a lot of really small ideal slot receivers in this draft and kind of hope that Green Bay stretches, you know, its parameters a little bit because there's a lot of good talent, I think, available for them should they choose to look for it. Yeah, they do, you know, they make adjustments when necessary, I think, when when it comes to their but what they won't make adjustments on, especially with their premium positions and picks, is athletic, you know, prowess and a RAS score. Like that RAS score has gotta be in the green. It's gotta be eight or above, or else I would be shocked if they took anybody. Um You and I, I think, have some favorites. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, our favorites do not fall under the usual large, big-body receiver parameters. But I guess you never know, right? I'm in the camp now where I think Jackson, Smith, and Jigba is not going to be there at 15. I hate using that because you absolutely never know how draft day goes. But he seems to, between him and Quentin Johnston, like be the consensus kind of – you could – pick and choose, you know, which one's going to go first, but they are like the guys. And then, like we said, there are just some role players for the rest of this. Now, how wild would it be if the Packers took somebody in the first round? (laughs) I don't Um, think I'll be able to be on Twitter that night. I think I just going to need to take a mental breather. But if there's a guy, I guess that you would love to see them take regardless of, you know, day or pick, um, who would that be? Yeah, so I talked about him a little bit on Pack-A-Day. I like, planted my flag for him, um, even though I was made fun of, obviously, for him not fitting in the Packers' measurements. But it's Josh Downs of North Carolina. I think he's just so dynamic. He's only 5'10". He's 171 pounds. You know, like You could blow him over with a breeze uh, at Lambeau Field in the cold, but he's really explosive. He's got an insane broad jump. Um, really impressive, even more so than his 40 or his 10 and 20-yard splits. So some of that like really close speed, um, that you'd want out of the slot. I really like had over a thousand receiving yards in 2021 and 2022 led the ACC in receptions. Both seasons has a ton of punt return experience. So you throw Rich Passaccia a bone when you pick him up, but I think it's just a different body type 
than what the Packers have on the roster. And I think that's what mm-hmm. a lot of fans are looking for. Cause we, we agree. Samori Toure can do it in the slot. Christian Watson can be a big bodied slot. Like there's players on the roster that can play in the slot, but we know the kind of gadgety offense that Matt LaFleur covets and wants to utilize. And he doesn't have any of these like shifty, tiny backs or and receivers at his disposal. Yeah. Yeah. So my Josh Downs is a flowers. And I know that that's not any kind of, you know, shocking new, you know, sleeper guy. Like this is a guy who's likely going to go in the first round. I'll be probably later in the first round, but I feel very similar about him that you do about Josh Downs. He's a little bit outside their size parameters, but at the same time, I feel like he's, you can't blow him over. You know what I mean? He's like a little bit of a short boy. Yeah. But he's got some really great speed. I know he went to BC. So, you know, his college tape against lesser opponents, you kind of take with a grain of salt. But if you hear about why he went to BC and why he stayed all four years, it's hard not to fall in love with him. He's the first guy of his family to graduate from college. Um, That's why he stayed all four years. He made sure he wanted to graduate Um, He played in the Shrine Bowl for that reason as well. He is wanted a good education, right? He didn't want to solely kind of rely on football as his main kind of path towards success. And he knew he would get a great education at BC while also playing in um, on a team that would potentially get him to the NFL. And clearly he chose well because he got a great education, graduated with a degree and is potentially a first round pick in the NFL draft. By all accounts, he just sounds like an incredible guy just a really like just when you hear about Packer player like he fits that locker room leadership it's just like kind like mold so obviously you also want him to be athletic Mm -hmm. he does he has a very high RAS score you can I think his 4440 doesn't do justice to his on the field speed like he can kind of like accelerate on a dime and i think once you get him anywhere with any kind of space you know he's going to be gone um and so i think that's really fun especially for an offense like matt lafleur's where he's gonna try to scheme guys open and if you give zay flowers any kind of window he's he's gonna go so i think again like he's a really nice complimentary piece i see him being a slot guy at first but Matt LaFleur likes to move his guys around and not play, you know, solely in one place. Like we said, we've seen Lazard play in the slot. We've seen a tight end out of the slot. Like you, you can move these guys around. And I think, I think flowers would be a really fun option. Um, Again, outside of the size parameters, it's only a matter of if the Packers want to stretch their, spread their wings and try something new. So it's it's funny that we're talking about this because I I agree with you that like there's so many players. This draft is perfect if you need a slot receiver, but it's not perfect if you need a slot receiver that measures the way that the Packers want them to measure. But yeah, I did do some digging and I did find one name. So I'm just going to put this name out here now in case he becomes a Packer um, on draft weekend. But it's Parker Washington out of Penn State. He's 5'10". He's 204 pounds thicker than a lot of traditional slot receivers. Um, Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network comps him to Amari Rogers for his body type. So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't read too much into it. Um, he's not like the most physically gifted specimen as far as like, you know, freaky athleticism that the Packers normally covet, but he's super physical, really unafraid of contact, has like the softest hands, can catch anything. And I think that 
you know, that that's a name to keep in mind. Like the Packers probably aren't going to go for a guy who's 170 pounds, but if they see a guy like Parker Washington on day three, who is 5'10", who is over 200 pounds, he might be a depth piece in the room that would make a little bit of sense for them. But again, mm-hmm. we're hoping that they uh, ignore some of their metrics and just draft football yeah. players. Yeah. You heard it here first, guys. Maggie is the queen of picking Packers late day sleepers. Um, <laughs> she did call the Romeo Dobbs pick last season on this very show here. So pay attention. Um, I think just in general with, the receiver position. I'm not of the mindset that I care too much where they take one. I just think that they need one or two because they're not going to take, they're not getting some of these like big names um, in free agency rate. They're not about to sign OBJ to some big contract. I doubt they're going to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. No, but I know them, (laughs) you know, so this is going to be the draft. I think where they can get some really nice, like we said, role player options um, to kind of fill out that room behind their presumed one and two. Do you think that there's like an opportunity or a world where the Packers like Quentin Johnson is six, three, he is like a, he's basically your ex, right? And you, you think the Packers already kind of have an ex on offense. Like, do you think there's a world where the Packers don't care? And they're like, we want the best football players. We're going to draft a guy like that. Or do you think that they would see one of those body types and say like, meh, we're not interested in adding that particular piece. We'll prioritize like a tight end or, you know, a different receiver later. I think it's going to be really best available, especially for these top guys. Cause you're, you're getting blue chip talent, this picking this high regardless. And they have so many positions of need that, you know, we're going to get here, but if one of the best tackles are left on the board, if the top tight end is on the board, like I think that there are enough needs and, moldable kind of like high athleticism freaks that I can't see the Packers like trading up to take any one specific player, um, especially because they do have Christian Watson, but you can never have too many of those types on a roster. You know what I mean? Like load them up. So if he were to fall, you know, who knows? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk running backs, because I think this is a really interesting position that is not thought about too much, considering the Packers really do have their one, too. But they're going to need to fill this room out because, you know, to me, Aaron Jones, as much as we love him as fans, is kind of on a year-to-year basis at this point with his contract, with his age, especially at his position, And Matt LaFleur likes to have his rotation. Of course, I imagine they're going to have Patrick Taylor back. 
But I can see the Packers very much taking a running back somewhere, hopefully round three and later. (laughs) (laughs) But it's going to be a position that I would be like genuinely shocked if there wasn't one drafted this year. Yeah, I mean, but behind Jones and Dylan, Patrick Taylor and Goodson are the only ones on the roster at this point. So, you know, I, you feel like they'd at least bring in a body for camp at this point. But I, <laughs> we're going to all just, you know, be shocked when Bijan Robinson from Texas is the uh, the pick at 15. But never. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, the, I, I spend a lot of time. I think, like, there's obviously the big names that everybody knows and loves at every position. But I always kind of try and take a look at like some of the later round guys, because like you said, the Packers have their one, two punch. They might have this one, two punch for a couple more seasons. You know, Aaron or AJ Dillon is coming due on his contract. Aaron Jones is kind of like a year to year deal. So the running back room could look really different in a couple seasons. You assume the Packers are going to keep one, if not both. It feels, you know, like a foregone conclusion that at least one of the backs will be in green Bay. But if for whatever reason, they're not, there's some really nice depth pieces in this back. And I think the tricky part is finding somebody who isn't like an exact replica of Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon. Cause they both have such dynamic, but specific skill sets mm-hmm. that you don't want to draft somebody. That's like a replica of Aaron Jones. You want to draft somebody that can complement both of what they do. And that's maybe the challenge with this draft, because there's a lot of really fun names like Robinson um, in the early rounds, but, you don't know like who's going to be there, what they're going to bring to the table. So I think RB three is going to have to do a lot on special teams. Yes. 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 Maybe rich will be rich is going to have a lot of say in this draft. I have a feeling in that in that war room. Hmm. <laughs> One hmm. of the names um, go figure, of course. Right. Because Sydney Brown, I've, I've come on the show and declared him the safety out of Illinois as my draft crush. One of my favorite running backs is his twin brother, Chase Brown. They, really? have, like, they have like identical RAS scores, which is hysterical. I tweeted about it. Um, and when you run them as their twins position, the numbers are like identical too. like, it's just, it's really funny for, for a running back in a safety. Um, but he's 5'10", 209 pounds. So he's a really good size, 9.79 RAS. He's, got really elite speed and explosion um he hit over 100 plus yards in nine straight games averaged 27 carries a game so he's just you know like not afraid of the workload 13 touchdowns in 2022 1800 all-purpose yards led the big 10 um doesn't have a ton of like ball security so that's obviously something you'd want to work on with him Hmm. And his pass pro is suspect. So maybe that immediately, you know, erases him off of Matt LaFleur's big board. But yeah, he's one of my favorite like day three prospects to back up AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and just, you know, go figure it happens to be Sidney Brown's twin brother. Yeah, let's get them both. We'll get, we got the Brown <laughs> twins. Maybe the Packers will take Nolan Smith. We'll get the Smith, Smith brothers Bros. back in action. Um, I really like that a lot. I, I also think, you know, pass pro is one of those things that I think doesn't really Maybe I'm going to say something stupid and college people are going to come at me for this, but I feel like you don't really start to gain pass pro skills until you get to the NFL, unless you are, you know, a back in kind of the SEC going up week after week after week against, you know, NFL level um, edge rushers like that. I don't know if that would necessarily be a deterrent. Right. 
We do know that the Packers did meet. They spent one of their top 30 visits with Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina. 5'7", 179 pounds, 8.6 relative athletic score, ranked 13th in the league in missed tackles forced, first in runs of 10-plus yards per pro football focus. So he is somebody that has been to Green Bay. You know they're actively looking at running backs, even if it's not Mitchell. Um, And I think... I think Paul had these numbers. I mentioned Paul earlier, but yeah, in 2022, six of Green Bay's top 30 visits ended up being Packers. They hit on all three wide receivers, Rashid Walker, um, Tariq Carpenter, and Devontae Wyatt all came to Green Bay on top 30 visits. So if the Packers are interested in someone, there's a very good chance um, that they really, truly are still going to be interested. And the top 30 visit is them doing their due diligence. So keep that name in mind as well. It's a fun one. That's a fun one. All right, let's switch to a position group that not only is a huge need, but also a great draft to need a tight end. Um, I think this is one of the better classes that we've seen in quite a number of years. Now, I do also want to just caveat our entire discussion here by saying I still think first round for a tight end is rich. No matter how good this class looks, no matter how... Okay, well, no. If we <laughs> if we hit on the next Travis Kelsey, then none of it matters. But that's very rare. You know, like those are few and far between finds. And I would be hard pressed to find, you know, it, it would it would just surprise me. You know, we know what premium positions the Packers like to take in the first round and this. But again, if they see somebody that they love and they have a first round grade on him and he's there by all means, um, we just know that it takes a little bit longer, right, to acclimate to the NFL from the tight end position. And the Packers, too, and I'm sure we'll dive into this, have some specific things that they look for. Like, these guys are going to have to be blocking monsters. And I think they really are in need of a kind of more pass-catching move tight end since they lost Bobby Tunyon. Um, I think that this could be a double-up. I don't know about you, but I can mm-hmm. see a, you know, top 50 pick and then a later round pick um, being kind of the answer here. But curious your thoughts or any tight ends that you think really fit the Packers mold. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, I remember like the Packers have always needed a tight end. It feels like every draft we always look at the tight ends really closely. And then, you know, the the biggest names, quote unquote, that get, that get mocked to the Packers pretty regularly don't end up in Green Bay. TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant are really good examples of that. Everybody had them going to the Packers. Obviously, neither ended up in Green Bay. So it's always hard when I go into, like, you know, looking at a lot of these mock drafts and you see, like, Michael Mayer of Notre Dame getting mocked at 15. I don't know if I'd have a problem with it. I mean, I think he's one of the, the best, arguably top three, if not the number one tight end in this class. But again, it's hard to project what a lot of these tight ends are going to look like at the next level. Noah Fant is a good football player, but I don't know if he was worthy of being the 20th overall selection in the 2019 draft. Like if you asked me, Hey, do you want Rashawn Gary or Noah Fant <laughs> 20 out of 10 times? I'm going to say, yeah, I'm really happy that the Packers ended up with Rashawn Gary. So Could not agree more. Yeah. So that's tough. Um, I think probably my favorite like fit for the Packers, at least in the digging that I've done thus far of the early rounds um, would be Dalton Kincaid, but I just don't like the, I don't like where he'd be at 15. I think he could be like a trade back candidate or like one of the first couple picks of the second round. If the Packers wanted to move around again, 
I think he maybe sneaks into the first round, but I think 15 is really rich. But he, um, Lance Zerline from the NFL Network comps him to Zach Ertz. He's met with the Packers informally already, but he's just a really good route runner. Mm-hmm. Threat in the yeah. seam. He's he's just a dynamic weapon that the, this Packers offense doesn't have, and young quarterbacks need a tight end to rely on in an offense. Yes, very natural, I think, hands for a tight yeah. end, Dalton yeah. Kincaid. Like, yeah, very um, – I mean, if not, I think for his size at 246 pounds, like could be just a very large receiver. Um, I have seen a lot. I mean, I'm I'm on the Michael Mayer train. Those, you know, longtime listeners of the show know my family are Notre Dame fans. So we're very, very biased. I just love his age. I think that's yeah. my one thing, right, is that Dalton Kincaid is – going to be like probably close to 24 by the time this season starts whereas Michael Mayer is right now 21 yeah so the difference is and I you know that the Packers always tend to go younger they've broken that mold a handful of times but very rarely again if you get someone like Dalton Kincaid who can really make an impact early and often then that might be one of those like moments but that's the only thing that stands out to me in terms of like deterrent um, but that's the same with like I've seen Luke Schoonmaker dra- uh, mocked to the Packers in later rounds, and like I just see that he's already twenty four and a half, and I'm just yeah. like that's simply something the Packers would never do. Yeah, I will say if you're interested in young tight ends, Darnell Washington is only twenty one years old. He I is- was just about to bring him <laughs> up. I was just about six six two sixty four, Georgia prospect. Big boy. He took a top 30 visit with the Packers already. So, you know, mm-hmm. that he, um, his comp is Mercedes Lewis. Like what's not to love. He's probably no offense. Mercedes. You were very athletic 18 years ago, but <laughs> he's like a freaky athlete. He would just yeah. completely change the Packers offense. And he's like having a sixth lineman out there, which is what they need, especially if Mercedes doesn't come back, which by all accounts, it doesn't sound like he will. So, blocking is going to be a huge factor for whoever takes over as tight end and you know he's one of the best in this class he's daniel jeremiah's tight end three so yeah 15 feels rich again but late Second 20s round, maybe. Early 30s. Yeah. i feel like this is such a perfect fit that it almost won't happen you know what i mean like yep. it's just too perfect i can't imagine the league will let the packers get darnell washington <laughs> but he's just like the perfect tight end for a matt lafleur offense he does everything that they would ask him to do. And he's at Goot's favorite school, Georgia Bulldogs. So I think all in all, though, this is going to be a group that they're just going to have. They're going to have to target. Even as a fan, if you think it's too rich, maybe at this point you're looking at need and that outweighs the rest of it. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell the Packers are doing their due diligence again. Like every year we see them target, you you don't want to ever reach for a position, but at some point the best player available also does align with your needs. And it's typically a tie breaking scenario. Like if you have a running back and a tight end tied on your big board in the second or third rounds, like you would expect the Packers to lean tight end the same way that like an edge rusher will typically kind of break a tie compared to some other positions. We just, we just know what Goody will covet. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, this draft specifically is a really good draft to need tight ends and to need more than one. So that yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, 
to see the Packers take one in the first two days and then at least one more on day three. Yep. I will say, though, there's only seven that are listed as top 100 picks. So while we say, you know, this is a good draft to need a tight end, there are other teams that need tight ends. I'm sure there are more than seven teams that need tight ends. So this is also going to be a little bit of like a race to get who you want, right? There's not like 15 of them. There's only seven. And two of them we've already disqualified based off age. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last but not least, definitely not least, um, on the offensive side of the ball, we got to look at some offensive linemen. Now, I, again, I'm going to put an asterisk on this conversation by saying this is a position the Packers always take in later rounds. They always hit in later rounds. So if they don't take an offensive lineman in day one or two, I'm not concerned that they're just simply not going to take one. They do a very, very good job at scouting later round talent. I mean, the ultimate example here, right, is David Bakhtiari was a sixth round pick. Um, they found John Running Jr. a couple seasons ago in the late rounds. So this is, I think, one of those positions that anytime, any day, um, I feel pretty good about who the Packers are going to take. That being said, I would say about half the line right now is not locked in. And they typically go into camp with about like 10 to 12 offensive linemen of varying positions. So I'm expecting them to load up. What do you think? Yeah. yeah I mean, I think it's really hard because if like, I don't see a world where Paris Johnson falls to 15 um, or, you know, like a Broderick Jones, but if those guys are there at 15, Broderick Jones being a Georgia Bulldog, <laughs> there's a very good possibility that, Brian Gutekunst rushes his card up. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of it, you know, we're thinking like, hey, right tackle is a position of need. It is, but you don't know what the longevity of David Bakhtiari looks like either. We know that his cap situation, he restructured or is, you know, pending a restructure. Uh, but what happens if his knee doesn't hold up? You know, like you don't wish injuries on anybody, but he, he could he could be nearing the end of his career or at least nearing the end of his time with the Packers. So if you draft somebody like a Peter Skronsky from Northwestern and, you know, they play right tackle for a couple seasons, you also, I think, buy yourself a little bit, little bit of insurance to say, hey, we can move them over to left tackle if something were to happen to David Bakhtiari or if he wasn't available. Um, there's a lot of guys who can play both spots. There's a lot of guys who probably would prefer to play left tackle, especially coming out of their rookie contracts and make big left tackle money in the NFL. But mm -hmm. if you move these guys over... At least you have versatility. You know, the right side of your line is solidified for a young quarterback. Um, and then you have insurance if anything were to happen. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with Yash. I don't think anybody's going to offer a second round pick for him. But never hurts to have backups, especially if you can draft somebody who's like a top 20 talent with your first pick. I, I don't think it's like the fun pick that everybody wants, like a JSN if he was on the board of 15. But 
I think it makes a lot of sense for where the Packers are at with Jordan Love. If it was Aaron Rodgers, I'm not yeah. sure I would think it would be a tackle. Yep. I was just about to say, you want to protect your quarterback, protect your quarterback, protect your own quarterback, because the last thing you want is a season full of Chiefs games where Jordan Love is getting blitzed up the wazoo and nobody can protect him up front. And then you have no idea, you know, if he can even run your offense. I'm curious what your thoughts are on like a Luke Whipler type of pick who's listed as a center, another Ohio State center, huh? But obviously, you know, they took Elton. Elton was considered a center at the time. Now he's very much a guard, move them around type, like interior. He's a day two pick, I would say. But the interior also feels like needs some work. Yeah. So I think that the Packers kind of have their first their first four. I know that there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily sold on Josh Myers yet as a center. So maybe mm-hmm. the Packers do take like a true interior um, prospect. But I feel like even when the Packers take guards and centers, it's very rare that they take like traditional guards and centers, if that makes sense. Like most of the players that they draft play left tackle because that's where when you're the best offensive lineman at that's your school, you play left tackle yeah. and then you yeah. can move anywhere at the NFL level. Like, I I definitely think that that makes sense. I don't think Josh Myers necessarily has like a secure job by any stretch, but I think because he was a second round pick, he's given a lot more leniency than a lot of other prospects would have. Um, I think John Runyon kind of locks down right guard. Like I think he played really well. So to me at this point going into this draft, I think it's right tackle or bust. And, you know, Zach Tom needs to be in the conversation as one of your best five. Obviously, you know, you've got David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins on the left side. But yeah, I, I definitely don't think that it would hurt to have, we always call them like the Don Barclays, right? Like you need guys that can play everywhere on the line as your Swiss Army knife. And this I think way. the Packers will find one in the fourth round. Because that's I what think, they always so, do. I think I, I completely agree. I That's why I, at the beginnings of this caveat, was saying I really think the Packers do their traditional take maybe two guys in later rounds because I completely agree with you. I think going into camp, we know who the starting five are and who the swing is in Yash. There never hurts to have competition and there never hurts to have young blood, especially because, you know, we watched as Elton Jenkins blew his knee out and we watched as David Bakhtiari blew his knee out. And we hope that that never happens again. We hope all offensive linemen stay healthy forever, but that's just not the case. It's a very, very tough position. So you want depth, 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 but I think there are other needs and we're going to have a whole other show on the defensive side of the ball, but there are just other needs that to me seem more pressing in like a top a hundred or a top 50, I should say pick. Yeah. I mean, I think the way, and again, this is why we're fans and we don't have jobs in the front office unless Brian Goodkins listens to the podcast and says, Hey, these are two smart ladies. Let me offer <laughs> them jobs. But um, I think one way to look at it too is like, if the Packers go into the 2023 season with Yash Nyman or Zach Tom at right tackle, do you feel okay? And the answer is, yeah, I feel okay. If the Packers go into the 2023 season with Rudy Ford and Traverius Moore as the starting safeties, do you feel okay? And I don't, I don't know if my answer, I don't think it's, yeah, I feel good. I think it's, I think that sounds like another Ladarius Gunter on Julio Jones (laughs) NFC championship game season. That's what that sounds like. Right. So I think that's kind of, you know, the overall consensus is, is, 
taking a tackle while you never fault the team for doing it. And it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Elton Jenkins, I don't think was like the sexy pick at the time when there were still tight ends on the board and wide receivers on the board, the Packers make, they find offensive linemen everywhere and they turn them into all pros. So I think that you kind of have to prioritize some of these picks, which we hate doing again. You don't want to reach for prospects, but there definitely is a hierarchy at this point of needs versus value. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I think that does it for all of our offensive prospects. How are you feeling now that we're in April? I mean, like this is draft month before we wrap up. I'm excited. I love the draft. It always takes me a little bit to get into it because, you know, you're like, oh, you're still kind of like mourning the Packers not winning another championship. (laughs) But then Mm -hmm. once we start to see like the combine and hear player interviews, like you fall in love with prospects, the prospects never go to Green Bay and it's you know it's a cycle it's very cyclical but i'm ready i'm ready to talk about football we'll be doing a lot on draft night we don't we don't really fully know what that looks like yet but it'll be a lot of fun everything's kind of ramping up you said we got the defense next week we're gonna have a guest on we'll do our live mock like always the the week of the draft so lots of fun stuff coming up yes lots of fun stuff please don't forget to tune in. You can follow us on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can follow Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, myself at Perry underscore Goldstein, Packs What She Said on Instagram and Twitch, although those are quiet at the moment, but please go give us a follow. Like Maggie said, this month is draft month. This is what you will be listening to all draft, all day. Um, so like subscribe follow us find us on any of your normal podcast streaming services we appreciate your listenership as always and go pack go go pack go